Alexander. Shabbat for three. Bingo! Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. Butler will get it for the win. He is hard to believe. Here's Jordan. What's going on, guys? Welcome to Dime Dropper, episode 17 of our 24-minute recaps this season. Before we get started, please make sure to follow us on all platforms. Subscribe at YouTube at Dime Dropper Podcast. Follow us on Spotify. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And, of course, to follow us on social media at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Dime Dropper Pod. So for tonight's recap, we're going to start with the Clippers against the Pacers. Then we will go to the Celtics embarrassing game today against the Knicks. And then James Harden's debut with the Nets. And I'll conclude with the Hawks' narrow loss last night to the Blazers. So let's start with the Clips, making my Sunday a good one with another blowout victory. There is nothing like a good old-fashioned beatdown. Second one in a row for the Clips. Fourth consecutive win. That's our longest streak, of course, as we said last game since the pre-shutdown days. The Clips are playing some great basketball right now. Moving on to 10-4. and four. It was a very even start tonight. You know, no Miles Turner for the... Are we 9-4 and four or 10-4? I think we're 10-4, and four, but I could, be, I could be mistaken. But, yeah, 10-4. and four. So, the, the Pacers didn't have Miles Turner tonight. We didn't have Serge Ibaka tonight. It was our first game of the season, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, first game without Serge. So Zoo came in. I was thinking, are we going to go with Fee or Arturo to come off the bench to fill a void that Zoo usually has on the bench? But we went with Pat Patterson tonight. But at the beginning of the game, very even, very even. But then the Pacers went zone. And it was like a little 1-2-2 two, two sort of looking zone, which is one of my favorites for, you know, when I coached basketball. But, you know, on the NBA level, didn't work out too well tonight because the Clippers did exactly what I said. It Once again, it goes back to, is the NBA getting better and better? Part two, go watch those videos if you haven't. Every single thing relates to it. Why are teams playing zone so much? I'm sorry, why are teams against zone not able to break it when there's the best shooting we've ever had in the NBA? Because a lot of times, they don't put someone in the high post. They just keep wanting to do pick and roll. And the Clippers, when they went zone, when the Pacers went zone, Morris or Kawhi in the high post, we fed them. They would turn and make decisions, whether it was to go up, go to the basket, kick it out, and our shooters were hitting. And one of those shooters was Marcus Morris Sr., who came off the bench for the second consecutive game and played great. And I love this Morris off the bench, honestly. Maybe he could be a potential six-man-of-the-year candidate. Like, I'm going to say it again, and I apologize to any guys that really, if you stand Lou Williams, I like Lou, but I've been saying since the Dallas game, I really don't think that we need him anymore. I think our bench looks great with Kennard and Morris, kind of the focal point to that second unit. And Morris was great tonight, hitting his open threes, being aggressive. We went up by 10 with Kennard and him hitting threes. And guys, Luke... Canad. I mean, does it seem like that guy's going to miss? Because every time I watch Landry Shamit, I don't know if he's going to make it. But when I'm watching Luke Canad, he is hitting that shit. And he was no, no different tonight. But even though we went up by 18, because Paul George, again, I mean, every single game with this guy right now, aggressive tonight. That dunk? 
oh my god i went out of my seat like yo i've been saying you know pg and Kawhi, they're not gonna gain my love till we get out that second round but i'll tell you what pg and Kawhi, with because of the effort the seriousness that they're showing in this regular season they're starting to win me over but you know after last season you killed me so i'm a tough critic right now but paul george is absolutely killing it i love the way he's playing that dunk man like the attention to detail too from Kawhi this season on defense like i said last season i personally think that he got first team because of reputation i thought he was a little lazy in a lot of games but this season you know, he's he's guarding, you know, it's all about Ty Lue, honestly. He's put the pressure on the Stars to come bring it every game. He's given Paul George confidence by putting the ball in his hands more, which I was honestly critical of. But one thing Ty Lue has done is he's saying, okay, last season it was about the depth. This season it's about Kawhi and Paul George. We're, we're going to do everything through them, and the other guys will be complimentary guys to back them up. We really have a duo now that we, you know, last season it's like, we're not really a duo. We're like a, I used to joke. We're not a duo. We're a quartet with Lou and Trez, but this is much better. This is similarly done to how the Lakers did it last year with AD and LeBron. Everything kind of stems from them and the rest follows suit. And Kawhi and PG have really set the tone in every game. Kawhi has been so much better on defense, as I said, you know, getting over screens, guarding the best players, being alert, telling people where they need to be. And Paul George, you know, I was critical of the decision to put the ball in his hands because when we saw him in the playoffs last year at times running the point, you know, you guys will remember, there were times where he was getting ripped by Seth Curry. Like, he was getting his lunch taken. So, Paul George this season has been fantastic. I thought he made some great reads tonight. And when he started attacking in that first quarter, you know, they started, then they, they changed their strategy, though, the Pacers, and it worked. They went to a little, it looked like a box in one on Paul George with TJ McConnell guarding Paul George, or like a little triangle in two action, a little triangle with Sabonis at the bottom, and then Brogdon on Kawhi. But it actually worked, and we were much more stagnant, getting tougher looks, but even though we still got some open ones and missed, that got the, the Pacers back in the game at halftime. Sabonis started getting going. So you got to give them credit for that. TJ McConnell, man, that guy's got a ton of heart, and we've known this for a couple years, you know. Well, I haven't talked about him on the podcast because we haven't watched too many Pacers games, but that guy's got a lot of heart, man. To the fact that he was even able to you know, help them get back in the game by guarding Paul George and sticking to him like glue and just harassing him. But the third quarter, we came out with similar intensity to how we did against the Kings. And we blew the game wide open and didn't look back, guys. Clipper Nation, didn't look back. Keywords. I mean, how great does that feel? Another blowout. You know, we had Minnesota, we had Portland, Sacramento, and now this one. I could get used to it. You know, and it was all because of Kawhi in that third quarter. He said, you know what? Brogdon's too small to guard me. I'm going to get in the post. I'm going to start taking it to the rim. He was getting by me. He had two dunks in a row. And then you know what that means? The defense collapses. More people attentive to Kawhi. Three balls for Patrick Beverly, who I thought was great again tonight, especially in the second half. And then Luke Kanad, Marcus Morris, and then Pat Patterson. And it was hallelujah. It's raining, man. You know, it's sunny days in, state, uh, in L.A. lately, but it's raining threes for the Clips. The final, 129-96 from the Staples Center. I mean, I'm, I'm, it's, it was a great performance, man. I, I know it's not a big deal, but you just got to love four wins in a row. Let's go for five. I don't even know our next game, and I don't really care. We'll see when it comes. Final box scores for the Clips tonight. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, 17 points, 8 of 13. Only had to play 31 minutes. Only one turnover as well. You got to love seeing that. I thought, uh, Zubat, six points, three of three, but only played 16 minutes. I thought it was interesting. Ty Lue went with a lot of small ball because they didn't have Miles Turner. I think that's one of the reasons why the Pacers went to the zone because they don't have Turner protecting the rim, so they would go zone to try to get us from, you know, 
to get us to shoot threes, but we were making threes because they were open threes because we carved their zone apart the right way. And Morris was in at the five at times, and he was playing low, and we went zone for a second in a little bit of that third quarter, and Morris was doing a good job rebounding out of it, actually boxing out. He had seven rebounds to go along with his 20 points. And then Marcus, plus 35, the highest plus minus of anyone in that game, Marcus Morris Sr. Pat Patterson, 3 of 6 from 3. Those were all his shots, 10 points. And then Luke Kennard, best game as a clipper, 20 points, 4 boards. Luke Kennard, man, he is, when when he shoots the ball, I think that's going in every time. Great win, 129-96. Paul George, 20 points, 7 boards, 4 assists. My player of the game tonight, let's go with Let's go with Kennard. Let's be generous tonight, huh? Let's move on to the next game, which was very interesting. And it was the Knicks and the Celtics. By the way, Super Chats are turned on for the live chat. If you want to drop a dime or drop a dollar, but if you want me to really look at it, wait till minute 24 when we, or when I'm done with the podcast version of the episode. Uh, I noticed less people when the Lakers don't play. That's disappointing. A lot of my clientele... I should, so to speak, comes from the Lakers. But let's get into the Celtics game. They Kemba Walker was back today. That was a plus for the Celtics. And he looked okay, actually. But in the beginning, I should say, he looked okay. But the Celtics came out once again. This was an early start. This was very Clipper-esque. Early start. They didn't look like they were really ready to play. The Knicks played defense, and the Celtics haven't played them this season. This Knicks team, they played defense. They put a lot of pressure on the ball, and they're putting a lot of pressure on the ball. And, you know, in the beginning of the game, the Celtics were missing some shots, to put it nicely. And, you know, they were down 28-17. You know, they're turning the ball over a little much. But that second quarter, the Knicks only scored 20 points. The Celtics were able to get some stops, but they only scored 33 points between the second and third quarters of the Celtics today. And that's where they lost it. And a lot of it came from just missing some shots. I mean, Jalen Brown was just off. Uh, Kemba Walker, you know, was first game back. But, you know, a lot of them, I thought Semi Ojale was 2-3 happy. Tristan Thompson, it was just like there was a lid on the bat. It was just like there was a lid on the basket for a portion of the game for the Celtics. Tristan Thompson missed a dunk and a layup. This was probably his worst game of the season. Grant Williams was missing threes. Peyton was turning the ball over. And then they started getting three happy because you know what these teams nowadays do whenever they're down by a lot. They start getting three happy and try to come back in the game that way. There was one play. It's on my Twitter. Go check it out. Ridiculous basketball. Jeff Teague, who I thought was atrocious today, you know, was on a fast break. And he basically was just a one-on-one with Alfred Payton, who they made look like, you know, De'Aaron Fox today, the Celtics. Uh, He didn't want to go up for the layup. He kicked it out to Jalen Brown and he got blocked for three by Alfred Payton. So... It was all around a terrible performance by the C's. Smart was missing. Everyone was missing, but honestly, you know, I know there wasn't any Tatum, but you cannot, like, this is only the first time it's happened for the Celtics playing like that, but you cannot play with that kind of lack of intensity or, like, the, the ball pressure from the Celtics compared to the Knicks was night and day. And you know who I think we got to shout out? Besides Julius Randle, who I, every time I've watched this season has been great, but... Uh, Emmanuel quickly. If you guys haven't seen this guy play for the Knicks, this rookie, he's a solid player. Quick, I know, pun, no pun intended. Quick, but, you know, the the floaters, he was just hitting floaters off screens right away, and, you know, when that happens, it's very tough to guard because, you know, when, you're, when your point guards come off the screens, the big man is going to drop a little bit because they don't want to get beat with speed. And, you know, when quickly's hitting those, those floaters or anyone's hitting floaters like that coming off screen, screens, you know, your big man's going to be forced to step up and then, you know, the guard can get by him. 
but I didn't even get to that point. The Celtics were out of this. They just didn't really come to play. They woke up on the wrong side of the bed, whatever you want to say. Very pitiful. If I was a Celtics fan, it's okay, it's one game. But if you do that again this season, I mean, we got to question the heart because that is terrible. That was a Clipper-like 10 a.m. start or 1 o'clock noon start for the Seas. Great credit to the Knicks, though. Big win for them. So the Celtics, Tatum should be back soon. Kemba's back. So now it's time to really start kicking it into gear. They should bounce back. That was embarrassing. 105-75, the Knicks win at the TD Garden. Celtics drop to 8-4. and four. I'm not even going to read the stats. Let's just put it this way. Tristan Thompson was had three points. He was minus 18. Jalen Brown, nine. Uh, Jalen Brown wasn't too bad. He still had 25 points somehow. But outside of him, nobody scored more than 10. Kemba Walker looked okay in the first two quarters, and then he kind of started chucking and was just trying a little too hard. It was a bad game. Let's go to the Nets and the Magic. James Harden's much-anticipated debut. There was no Kyrie Irving. So immediately what I noticed was James Harden was playing a lot of point guard this game without Kyrie. And I couldn't believe what I was seeing. James Harden was coming up the court, passing the ball, like willingly, without it being an assist pass. Just passing it to pass. Passing it to be a real floor general. Actually trying to get everybody going. Now, I know it was his first game and he was trying to, trying to show everybody. You know, James, he has something to prove right now. And maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe he's done with that statistical fiendage that we saw with Houston. Dribble, 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 pass for an assist you know, high usage, scoring, you know, maybe he wants to really just prove that he can win a championship now. And the way, I know, once again, that's premature. It was the first game. But just his body language, you know, he took a mid-range jumper, guys. A mid-range jumper. He took one. And it got to the point where he was actually overpassing. Like, there were times where I'm like, James, shoot the floater. And he was trying to find DJ on the lob. Some of them were bad passes. Some of them DJ is just trash, as we've said so many times. But Harden turned the ball over way too much. That's one thing. He was trying a little too hard to get assists sometimes just to get get passes going. But, you know, it opened up a lot for the Nets. And Joe Harris had a great first game with Harden. You know, he had 17 points, 6 of 11, 4 of 9 from 3, a lot of open shots. And, you know, Jeff Green has played with both these guys in Oklahoma, and then he recently played with Harden on the Rockets. So he's going to be more experienced playing with James, you know, pick-and-pop scenarios and this, this, and that. Harden looked – guys, I'm telling you, and I'm the, I do not like Harden. I said he's everything wrong with modern basketball. But the way he played, the body language, just – it was too unselfish even at times. He only shot 18 shots. He made eight of them. Too many of them were threes for my liking. Three of 10. But 32, 12, and 14. However, nine turnovers. So assist-to-turnover ratio is still not great. But a lot of them were real assists. Some of them were exaggerated assists. You know, assists that, you know, in today's era you get them. And, you know, only very generous home scorekeepers in the past, you know, as well. But, you know, we, we talk about, the once again, is the NBA getting better and better in the inflated stats? Go check it out. But the funny part was the flaws we were also, like, I'm talking about all this offense being good for the Nets. They couldn't stop Vucevic for the life of them. They couldn't stop anybody. As I said, they have terrible defensive personnel. Their best defender is either Bruce Brown or Kevin Durant. Harden got some strips. He also had some slightly, you know, moments where he was slow to react. You know, this team is building communication, you know, building new camaraderie they don't have Jared Allen now they have Harden so they're gonna have to learn how to talk with each other know what they're doing on the court but I thought that Vucevic DeAndre Jordan you know Vucevic was is a guy right now who's hitting threes for fun and if you are hitting threes for fun like that you know as a big man if you're guarding him you need to treat him like a guard if he's playing like Ray Allen just hitting threes then you got to get up on him because 
um, yeah, you got to get up on him because he's just going to keep hitting, and that's exactly what he kept doing. So Vucevic, yeah, he was making him pay. And in the fourth quarter, it was very close going into it. By the way, I see that comment about Harden did it. Uh, he played that way in Houston because he had to. No, he didn't have to. He had more than enough help on multiple occasions. He completely overdribbled and cost his team multiple, multiple playoff series. I don't want to hear that garbage. Anyway, let's continue. So Harden was changing the way he was operating. And yeah, he clearly is showing that he respects that Kevin Durant is better than him. I hope that that continues for the Nets case. You know, I hope in terms of if I was a Nets fan, of course, that he continues to realize this is Kevin Durant's team and he's here to prove to everybody he can win a ring, but also back up KD. And it was a very close game going into the fourth quarter, but in the fourth quarter, Kevin Durant literally went ballistic. I'm talking about just straight up walking into threes. Like, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The classic KD walk into threes, contested, hand in his face, seven foot, just rise over fools, and then getting into the mid-range, mid-post area, pulling as well. I mean, and pick and roll, making the right reads. Harden started getting going, started getting to the line. He hit a three or two. It was the mostly the Kevin Durant show. He closed it out, and Bruce Brown made a big three at the end from Kevin Durant creating for him. KD has just literally not had one bad game this season, and it's quite spectacular. It's literally coming back from this Achilles injury to play like this. I mean, he's no, no right now, as I said, the crown belongs to LeBron, but there is no question he's in that running for best player in the NBA. There's just no question. He is unbelievable how effortlessly he scores and when he once again gets the ball in the mid post more it shouldn't always come from the top and now that Harden's there this is going to help and Harden's post game interview talking about I don't care about the stats I just want to win now a lot of players say that but they don't actually do it Harden has said that in the past but we know he used to play for stats it was very evident in watching him play but Maybe he's really on some different shit now. Maybe he's really over that phase of his career. I mean, he's done the stats. He's done the scoring titles. You know, maybe it's time for him to change his ways. However, we still have to remember, Kyrie Irving is coming back to this puzzle. And that's going to tinker things and make it a little bit harder and, and for everybody to mesh. Because then Harden comes and then Kyrie's role. So we'll see. It's going to be such an interesting thing going forward. Once again, though, it doesn't matter about their offensive chemistry. If they do not get better defensive personnel, they will not win anything. I can promise you that. But a very good debut for Harden. I liked his body language, his post-game comments. Maybe this is the turning of the guard. There was the good OKC days. There was the becoming a star and then abusing that and becoming a stat-padding fiend that completely neglected the mid-range. And, you know, now it's time to see what happens when Kyrie comes back. And you know what? I don't care about... Obviously, here's the thing. A lot of players, even when they were with the Celtics, Kyrie said, oh, this, I'm going to be a leader, this and that. You can say whatever you want. You can Just because even though players can like each other, doesn't mean they're all going to work out well on the court every time. You know what I mean? It's not just when players don't like each other. Sometimes it's hard to mesh on the court. And for, for this, is, this is literally championship or bust. There is no in-between for the Nets. You put this team together, you better win the championship. There is no excuse. None. Period. So... You know, that's the thing. I don't care. They, they can look good in the regular season, sacrifice. It comes down to what happens going forward in the playoffs. If they can all put their differences aside, fantastic. Great. That's what you should do in basketball. I, I hope so. But it is what it is. So great win for the Nets. Kevin Durant. Oh, by the way, let me read you the lines. James Harden, 32, 12, and 14, as I said earlier. But Kevin Durant, 42 points, 16 of 26. I love the amount of shot attempts. 5 of 8 from 3, 5 of 5 from the line. He has just been on a tear. So let's end it off with the Hawks against the Trailblazers. I also watched the Hawks game against the uh, Trail. I'm sorry, the Jazz. And I did talk about several games ago when I was grilling Trey Young that 
this Hawks team is gonna is having a tough schedule coming up, and they're lucky. They are lucky that the um, Suns game got postponed because that would have been three losses in a row probably. They lost to the Jazz because Trey Young played like ass, and quite frankly, they're just not as good as the Jazz. You know, the Hawks are a young team. The Jazz are an established team with dudes in their prime. Uh, so you're not gonna, you know, if you don't, if Trey Young doesn't play well, they're not gonna win that game. However, they had a back-to-back, and it was a very entertaining game against the Blazers in Portland. And Cam was out, Cam Reddish. So they started Kevin Herter, and Trey Young played great in the first half. Like he was actually just moving the ball. People were getting different kinds of touches. He was finding open guys. Kevin Herter in the corner for three. He was pushing the pace, finding guys in transition. And that's something I think the Hawks need to do. They need to get in transition more, play a bit faster. Their team is really young, so they should push the pace. You know, they play way too half court and they usually just result in Trey Young high pick and roll into turnovers. And that's where the Trey Young mistakes come. But when they get out and run, they can get a lot easier baskets. You know who I have not mentioned enough for the Hawks this season who was amazing in this game in particular also was Clint Capella. He's He was so good in this game. He was finishing everything around the basket. You know, he was getting some smaller guys on him, not in like ISO post-up situations, but, you know, scrambles and, you know, defensive uh, rotations and he was getting smaller dudes on him and putting in little jump hooks. He was protecting the rim. He was rebounding, getting offensive rebounds. He was everywhere for the Hawks in this one. And Trey Young was getting into the lane, taking some better shots. I thought the first half was great from Atlanta, like just great. And Brandon Goodwin came in, given that energy he brings, cutting to the basket, moving without the ball, hitting open threes in the corner. DeAndre Hunter was playing well. I mean, it was it was going pretty well. The, the bench of the Hawks got the lead up to 16-18, but Here's the thing, you know, CJ McCollum, Dame, they're going to get their team back in the game, and here's the thing, the, the Hawks went with trapping both of them and blitzing them on pick and roll, which is what a lot of teams do with them, and it works, force other guys to beat you, and Gary Trent Jr. is one of those other guys, and he's a sniper, we saw in the glorified summer league, that guy is a sniper, and he was starting to hit, Cantor was getting offensive rebounds offensive rebounds off these scrambles, because you know, it sends the defense in rotation when you trap on pick and roll, and when the ball moves fast for the offense, you're going to get good shots. But you can also defend it with, you have to have quick rotations. And the Hawks, of course, still a young team. You know, it's still hard. The Blazers got back in the game. You knew they were going to get back in the game. But it came down to that fourth quarter. It was a tie game going into the fourth. And again, guys, how many times have we said it? But it was the Knicks game. It was the Cavs game. Trey Young just seems to fizzle out on the court. In the fourth, I don't know what it is, whether he gets tired or his decision-making, but he just doesn't make shots in the, you know, down the stretch sometimes. And his in-between game is very suspect. Let me just say, it's extremely overrated. He His floater game is not as good as I once thought. He's not a great finisher because he's small. He rarely takes mid-ranges. His in-between game is very eh. And that's that doesn't make him as good of a pick-and-roll threat as I once thought. And... The game went down the stretch, and they got it to within two, you know, late in the game. And Trey Young, you know, he was going cold in that in that second half, but he was still having a decent game. And CJ McCollum got injured, by the way, so Dame was kind of carrying the load, and he was doing a great job of that. Um, but guys, it was a two-point game, and let me just like read you what happened. Two minutes and eighteen seconds. Trey Young bad pass. Derek Jones steals. Next possession. Trey Young misses driving, floating jump shot. It was a clear, like, open floater. Good look. No good. But Capella got the tip and it made it a two-point game. 
Trey Young misses 33-foot three-point jumper. Just absolutely no reason you need to take that shot. A 33-footer you have not been hitting, and your team is down by two. just a terrible shot, right? And then he comes back down. He scores, which was great. Got it back down to two. And then he comes down. They're down by two, and he shoots a 20, I'm sorry, a 28-footer deep three on like a one-on-one kind of fast break, but he could wait for his team to come back. Even Dominique said it was a horrible shot. He's pretty... You know, doesn't like criticizing the Hawks that much. And then the next play, they got the ball back down four, and Trey Young commits an offensive foul. I mean, Trey Young. It's gonna be this team goes on Trey Young. Period. They're five and seven now. They lost to a team they were supposed to. They were supposed to lose to essentially with this Blazers team. They're playing tomorrow early against the Timberwolves. Those are two dime dropper teams. They should win. But you know what? Trey Young is a wild card at this point, and it's really gonna come down to how he plays. But it was looking promising for a bit in that game. So that's it for tonight, guys. Tell me what you think. We've reached the 24-minute mark. Let me know. Shout out, Bean. Right on the dot tonight, 24. Now we go to the live chat with the subscribers. Peace.